to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. There are times when I think many of us were looking for help, we're looking for peace, we're looking for solutions, we're looking for consolation, we're looking for answers or whatever, but we're looking in the wrong place. And a lot of times we're putting our expectations on people or things that can never really answer or satisfy. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian resumes his teaching on Genesis chapters 29 through 31 in a message titled, Jacob, Laban, and the Consequences of Deceit. Now, here's Pastor Brian. This is the reality. It's the the crop will come forth ultimately. So we have got to be very, very careful to make sure that we are sowing to the Spirit. So, why have you deceived me? And Laban said, it must not be done. So in our country, to give the younger before the firstborn... Fulfill her week, and we will give you this one also for the service which you will serve with me still another seven years. Then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So the wedding ceremony and all of the festivities and all of that were, um, it was a week-long event. And so what Laban is saying, be with Leah for this week, fulfill you know, all the festive duties and all of that. And then I'll give you Rachel. He didn't have to wait another seven years to obtain Rachel as his wife. He obtained her after that week, but he then was bound to serve Laban for another seven years. And so this is what he did. Jacob fulfilled her week. So he gave him his daughter, Rachel, as wife also. And Laban gave his maid, Bilhah, to his daughter, Rachel, as a maid. Then Jacob also went to Rachel, went into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban still another seven years. So was Laban wrong? Of course he was wrong. He was deceitful. But again, it's the, the reaping what Jacob had sowed. But he loved Rachel. And this created a very, very difficult family situation, as you can imagine. You know, the scriptures are really interesting to me because they tell us these stories. And it's, to me, it's fascinating the way the Bible is able to you know, condense, for example, a 20-year period into just a couple of chapters or a 50-year period or something like that. We saw that with Abraham. And, you know, it will give us, you know, sort of the main points of the particular story. But obviously, there are lots and lots and lots of things that are not recorded. And some things you, you know, as you sort of read between the lines, you can get an idea of what it must have been like. And for many, many years, 
This was a very unpleasant situation. So again, we see with Jacob, he goes for that, that seven-year period of, of, you know, just bliss in thinking about that moment when he can be united with Rachel that finally comes, and now it's nothing like he dreamed. It's nothing like he hoped for because of the deception of Laban. And now he is, he is married to Leah, who he doesn't have any affection for. He desperately loves Rachel, but now these two women who are sisters are going to be constantly competing with one another, contending with one another, and there's going to be this period. And now we're going to see it's a 20-year period of reaping what he had sowed. When we come to the end of this whole period with, with Laban, to me it seems that in many ways Jacob moves on from the reaping process and back into the blessing of God. He still has challenges and difficulties. But it is interesting to me that this is a 20-year is a, a period. And again, we have to think ahead before we make decisions. I am amazed at how many people make decisions without ever thinking about the consequences of them. I am absolutely astounded. And I, I have talked to so many people. I, you know, I remember you know, talking to a, a, a man who was you know, crying about being disconnected from his children and not able to be with them like he wanted to. And I asked him this question. I said, did you ever stop and think about that before you had the affair on your wife? Did that thought ever cross your mind? No, it didn't, he said. Obviously, it didn't. And that's what happens to people. They don't think about the consequences of their action. We get swept up in the heat of the moment. We get swept away with passion or something. And we, you know, we just, we kind of just lose our minds. And then we do something that will potentially haunt us the rest of our lives. It's not worth it. It's never worth it. And again, this is where we have to really, we have to really be thinking about these things because the, the reality is, again, whatever a man sows, he shall also reap. And so, verse 31, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So here we see God taking compassion on this woman, Leah. She was unloved. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. Reuben means a son. Look, a son. For she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Now, of course, in that culture, having children was something that was very important, and especially having sons. The sons were the one to carry on the family name. The sons were the ones, of course, who would, you know, do the work and, and all of those kinds of things. So, so for a wife to give a son to her husband, this was a very special thing. And Leah had hoped that through bearing a son for Jacob, this would win Jacob over. Now, now I've got my son and my son's come through Leah. Rachel was barren, but that didn't happen. So she conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, 
He has therefore given me this son also, and she called his name Simeon, which means heard. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi, and Levi means attached. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah, praise. Then she stopped bearing. So God blesses Leah because she's unloved, because there's hostility toward her from Rachel, gives her these sons, but this doesn't really bond her with Jacob as she hoped that it would. But it seems when we come to the fourth son, it almost seems that with Leah, she's, at, at this point at least, she's sort of looking beyond Jacob and she's looking to the Lord. So she names her son Praise. The previous three sons, their names were, you know, indicating her desire toward her husband. But now with, with Judah, she's, for this season anyway, she's got her eyes on the Lord. She's finding her, her hope in the Lord. Now, Chapter 30, verse 1, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel. And he said, am I in the place of God who has withheld you from the fruit of the womb? Now, you know, I got to say, poor Jacob, I mean, This is a tough situation, you know. I don't want to make any jokes about, you know, it's hard enough being married to one woman, let alone two or, you know, (laughs) that kind of a thing. But, I I mean, you know, you could see the wisdom of God in prohibiting a polygamy at a certain point, just saying, you know, that, okay, this is no longer going to be tolerated. Of course, from the very beginning, that was never God's plan. It was something that was so ingrained in those cultures that many of God's people simply adopted the cultural behavior and didn't really adhere closely to God's ideal because from the very beginning, it was God's ideal that there would be one man and he would have a wife, one man and one woman together forever throughout their lives. But... Over time, the cultural influences, God allowed certain things, although they weren't the ideal. But then there comes a point under the Mosaic law where God, you know, kind of once again steps in and and says, now this is the way it's supposed to be. But we, we, of course, we still see after the time of Moses, we see with David, we see with Solomon, we see this same kind of thing repeated. But in every single case, we see problems. In every single case, we see divisions, we see jealousies, we see conflict in the family with the children and things like that. And, you know, you don't have to have multiple wives or husbands to, you know, simultaneously to know that's true. We know that that's true even as we go through situations where there's divorce, there's remarriage, there's what we call today blended families. And, you know, please, I'm not criticizing anybody for any of that. I'm just saying you know very well the difficulties that exist in that kind of a situation. 
I know that from firsthand experience. My parents were divorced when I was a young boy, and uh, my mother later married. My dad married again, and it was a very difficult situation. It just, you know, had so many unpleasant aspects to it. But that's what always happens when we get outside of God's plan. It's what always happens when we think our plan might be better than the Lord's. We're setting ourselves up for a big disappointment and a lot of trouble. I'll tell you, I, I thank God, Cheryl and I, quite often when we're walking, talking, whatever we're doing, you know, we're talking about our kids, we're going through things with our kids. We both look at each other and, you know, I'm so thankful that these are our kids, you know, that we can both decide to kill them together and <laughs> not just, you know, one of us wanting to do that or, you know, something like that, you know? It's just, as, as you read through the story, it's, you know, it's just, uh, you just see that, the sadder side of all of this. So as, as here now Rachel is, is crying out to Jacob in frustration, give me children or I die. And, and Jacob is, you know, he's upset, but he's, he's given her the right information. He says, look, am I in the place of God? I can't do this for you. I can't help you. And, you know, with Rachel, there, there are times when I think many of us were looking for help, we're looking for peace, we're looking for solutions, we're looking for consolation, we're looking for answers or whatever, but we're looking in the wrong place. And a lot of times we're putting our expectations on people or things that can never really answer or satisfy. And a lot of times, like Rachel, you know, we're looking at a person and we're thinking that, you know, it's your responsibility and you need to do this for me. And I'm miserable because you haven't, you know, come through with this or, you know, we're looking at those kinds of things when the fact of the matter is it's God that we need to look to. Rachel needed to look to the Lord. Jacob couldn't do anything for her. And so often that's the case. You know, we can do only so much for others. That's true if you're a husband or a wife. You can only do so much for your spouse. It's true if you're a parent. You can only do so much for your kids. It's true if you're a friend. It's true if you're a pastor. You can only do so much for the members of the congregation. All of us need to remember that every one of us need to ultimately be looking to the Lord. I've got to go back to the Lord. I've got to seek him. I've got to get my answers from him. I've got to get my peace from him. And here, Jacob, inadvertently, is definitely giving Rachel the right counsel. Basically, he's saying, go to God. I can't really do anything for you. And so she said, here is my maid, Bilhah. Go into her. And she will bear a child on my knees that I also may have children by her. Does this sound familiar? Remember? (laughs) It's interesting. This is one family. We're following generation after generation. And look how they're repeating the same kinds of things. This is exactly what Sarah said to Abraham in regard to Hagar. And so Bilhah now is going to become the surrogate. And through Bilhah, Rachel is going to 
have these two sons, Dan and Naphtali. But when Leah sees, now Leah stopped bearing, remember at this point, she's got four sons of her own, but she stopped bearing. But when she sees that Rachel has given Bilhah to Jacob, then Leah, she says, well, I'm going to give Zilpah to Jacob. And I'm going to get some more kids. So, you know, this is, I mean, this is like fierce competition going on in this family to see who can produce more kids. That's really what's happening here. And so through Zilpah comes Gad and also Asher. Now, verse 14, when Reuben went in the days of the wheat harvest and he found mandrakes in the field and he brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. Now, mandrakes, the Hebrew word actually means love apples. And so (laughs) the idea seems to be that this was some sort of a some sort of a berry or some sort of a, of, a, of a fruit that either actually did or it was believed that it, it uh, led to a greater uh, fertility with the women and probably to increase sexual desire. And so that's really what's going on here. Reuben's come up with the mandrakes and Rachel wants some of them. She obviously believes that this could, could help her situation. But she said to her, is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? So look at the tension between these sisters. And Rachel said, therefore, he will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. So I don't know what Jacob thought about any of this, but when he came in out of the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, you must come in to me for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. And uh, he lay with her that night. Now, this is the Bible we're reading, right? Uh, (laughs) The Bible does tell it like it is. Tells it like it was. So God listened to Leah and she conceived and she bore Jacob a fifth son. And Leah said, God has given me my wages because I have given my maid to my husband. So she called his name Issachar. And Issachar, again, means wages. Then Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun, which means dwelling. So now with With Leah, she then afterward bears to Jacob a daughter, verse 21, and called her name Dinah. So Leah has, notice, she has six children of her own. She has two children from her handmaid. Well, she has seven children, counting Dinah. And Rachel, at this point, is still barren. All Rachel has are the children that came from Bilhah. But then, verse 22, then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb, and she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. So she called his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. Here is the 
the amazing thing. She finally has a son, and what does she say the minute she has him? I want another one. <laughs> you know, this is the thing she's been crying out for. This is the thing she's been wanting so desperately. She finally has a son, and she names him, I want another one. <laughs> Talk about, you know, insatiable. I mean, she just cannot be satisfied. But here's where we are introduced to Joseph. He comes now into the picture. And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own place, to my country. So again, we've got a long period of time, obviously all these children being born. And again, just a few verses really covering several years. But now Jacob, having served Laban all of these years, he wants to go back now. He wants to go back to his family and he wants to establish himself no longer as Laban's servant, but he wants to get out on his own. And so he says, give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me go for you know my service, which I have done for you. And Laban said to him, please stay if I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Then he said, name your wages and I will give it. So Jacob said to him, you know how I have served you and how your livestock has been with me. For what you had before I came was little and it has increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since my coming and now... When shall I also provide for my own house? So Jacob's just, you know, making that point. Look, you're blessed, but what about me? I've got nothing. So he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all your flocks today. So this is the deal that Jacob is making with, with Laban. Let me pass through all your flocks today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted and all the brown ones among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and these shall be my wages. Now, these were considered the inferior, it, amongst the, the sheep and the goats, these speckled and spotted, they were considered inferior. So Jacob is saying, you know, give me all the, the secondhand sheep, basically. So my righteousness will answer for me in time to come when the subject of my wages comes before you, everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it is with me. And Laban said, oh, that it were according to your word. So Laban thinks, well, this is a great deal. Okay, I'm in. So he removed that day the male goats that were speckled and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had white in it, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and he gave them into the hand of his son. And then he put three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Now, Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and of almond and of chestnut trees, peeled white stripes in them, and exposed the white which was in the rods. And now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource. Beautiful People Don't Just Happen is the title of a book by... Scott Sauls. 
And the subtitle is How God Redeems Regret, Hurt, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans. And I think in the title and the subtitle, we can see that this book is going to be really helpful in helping us understand how God is using the challenging things in our life to make us, in the end, more like Christ. So my recommendation here is Scott Saul's book, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen. Pick up your copy. I know you're going to be blessed by it. Again, this month's resource is a book titled, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, How God Redeems Regret, Hurt, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans by Scott Sauls. You can order the book, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it, and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen by Scott Sauls, to remind you to assign a purpose to your regret, hurt, and fear. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.